This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. We understand how big the move is by Toys R Us to close its doors, despite despite the last-ditch efforts to keep some of the locations open. But now, another fairly well-known chain for its presence in malls across America has filed for bankruptcy, Claire's. It has locations in 99% of U.S. malls, according to the bankruptcy filing. And while the company hasn't said yet that it will close stores, the possibility is there. And you would think it's significant. So what can we learn from Toys R Us closing and the potential of Claire's as well? We ask that and more of our friend Barbara Kahn, professor of marketing here at the Wharton School, and also joining us on the phone, Mark Cohen, who's a director of retail studies at Columbia University, and as well a former CEO of Sears Canada, Bradley's, and Lazarus Department Stores. Great seeing you again, Barbara. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's really good to be here. Thank you, Mark. Great to have you with us. You bet. Hello, Barbara. Hi. <laughs> so I'll start with you, Mark. What what have you? I mean, you've been in this space and you've you've seen this before. But what do these these last two events tell you? Uh, the legacy retail business is struggling. Um, whether it's mall or off mall, the big box that was the uh, the center of the universe for the toy industry, Toys R Us, just doesn't have enough differentiation or relevance to withstand the competition that it's been facing for the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, you know, they were the only game in town, and then Walmart decided to take toys seriously. Target followed suit, and then along comes Amazon. Uh, what does Toys R Us do about that? Well, they outsourced their e-commerce business to Amazon early on in an extraordinarily foolish deal that gave Amazon tremendous insight into customers and customer behavior and gave them basically nothing. Uh, They never uh, reorganized their stores to become more attractive, appealing, and recently experiential. And of course, they decided they didn't have to be price competitive, which is the uh, sort of the last straw, if you will. So that they're in bankruptcy and facing liquidation is certainly no surprise. Claire's, on the other hand, is a mall-tethered specialty retailer whose, uh, whose fortunes are um, uh, suffering from the fact that they were bought by a private equity shop, loaded up with debt, at the same time that the traffic in maybe two-thirds of the malls in the United States started to uh, exhibit um, significant decline. And so they're really stuck with no options at the moment. So do you think that that, uh, that, that Claire's is going to be following suit and probably closing a lot of stores in the, in the months to come? I think at minimum, Claire's has to close a significant number of stores. And if they can see their way through doing that, through the bankruptcy proceeding, then they'll be able to continue to be uh, viable. If not, they could very well go to liquidation, just as Toys looks like it's going uh, to uh, liquidation now. Well, unfortunately, that's not good news for my two young daughters who are starting <laughs> to shop at Claire's right now. Barbara, what I- what have you gleaned from from these two stories? I couldn't agree with him more. With Mark Moore, I agree absolutely with all your um, with all your analysis on what's happening. Um, and I'll just add a few more trends that I think are, are hastening the 
the demise of these physical stores. One, as we all know, shopping is going to omni-channel shopping, the seamless shop- shopping. So you really need to have an integrated presence across phone, online, and offline. Yeah. And these stores that don't are in trouble, especially, you know, Claire's, which is uh, targeting the digitally native Gen Zs. Um, those people are used to shopping through their phone. They're used to being able to go and look at a website before you go into a physical store. So any retailer that doesn't understand the changing shopping behavior is going to be at a loss. The other thing I think that's different, and I'm sure Mark will agree, is we've been overstored in the U.S. for a long time. So you would have seen some of these physical stores close anyhow, even if that didn't happen. And something else that Mark didn't mention, and let me just say again that I agree with everything he did mention, but one of the things that's changing also is this presence of vertical brands. So a, a niche player like Claire might have competition from brands, because remember, these are Gen Z people who look at Instagram, they look online, and some of these new startups are, are being able to market directly to their niche customer through this online presence. And that's kind of an interesting change in the uh, competitive scene of retailing. Mark? No, I certainly agree. You know, the, uh, the, the, uh, the industry changes um, uh, constantly, and it changes at a, at a varying rate. Um, change is now uh, 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 absolutely upon us, and retailers who want to remain viable have to respond to those changes, and they, they have to do what allegedly um, Wayne Gretzky's father said, not Wayne Gretzky, which is to say the reason he's such a, a phenomenal athlete is that he skated to where he thought the puck was going. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not, not to where the puck was. I was wondering yeah. where you were going with that. Yeah. Well, well, a very large retailer uh, has to be thinking about where their business has to, be, has to be positioned in the future, and they have to be taking action to be able to accomplish that. And here are two retailers who've basically been stuck in the mud uh, and doubly plagued by uh, the overhang of debt that these private equity shops placed upon them, which gave them very little financial capacity, even if they had intellectual capacity with which to make changes. And I'm not sure either one of them did, by the way. I think um, with regard to your analogy, you know, about where the puck is going to be, that's an interesting direction to take. You know, so think about what the future of retailing will be in the next 10 years. And what I've read, and I'm curious what you think about this also, is this notion of these voice recognition, the platforms, you know, and and the connected home and all of that will radically change shopping behavior also. So when it's very easy to conveniently order something in the home, oh, Alexa, how about getting me milk? Or, you know, supposedly your refrigerator can tell Alexa to do that. What does that require for retail in the future? What will get people out of the house and go into a physical store? That's kind of an interesting question. I think you see a lot of um, retailers experimenting with different kinds of formats. Like, you probably know Story in New York City, which changes its whole inventory every six weeks to kind of make it like an event. It's more like a living, thriving magazine. That's one model. Um, and, you know, Italy or some of those other things are other models. Well, let me ask you this, Mark, because this is something that uh, we've uh, I've heard on this show before. And uh, it really, going back to, the, uh, uh, to Toys R Us for a second, it, it almost makes you wonder about whether or not the idea of the toy store is really geared to be a fourth quarter 
store, kind of like the pop-up stores we yes. see around Halloween that, that show up. They, they come in for a month, they're selling costumes, and then the day after Halloween, they're gone. Yeah. It, you know, it, it could, and I say that because of the fact that we've heard about the potential of, of maybe trying to save some of these Toys R Us stores, and I had a story about KB Toys trying to come back oh, as God. well, which, is, which was amazing. So could that be something that might work for the toy industry? You know the toy the toy business is extraordinarily challenging. Uh, first and foremost, it is a uh, back end loaded business. It's heavily seasonally oriented in terms of sales. And uh, whether toys claimed years ago they did business all year round, that was like mostly a lot of hooey. Most <laughs> of their business has always been fourth quarter because that's when customers are traditionally shopping for the product. the The problem, of course, is it's a fashion business. Um, it's a business involving products uh, that have tremendously challenging components. Uh, there's a service and supply logistics challenge because most of this product is manufactured on the other side of the world. and It has to be manufactured way in advance of the holiday and has to be stockpiled. And the stockpiling is extraordinarily expensive, both from a logistics point of view and from a financial point of view, because manufacturers don't typically get paid until the holiday uh, because of, uh, of dating. The, 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 the technology influence on the product has also been devastating in that quite a few kids receive their gifts in the form of an app on one of their devices as opposed to a physical product. And, uh, you know, this is just the inevitable shift toward uh, utilization of technology. So there's an enormous amount of headwinds that face this business. And then, of course, it's always been in, in recent times uh, focused around the hot toy, you know, the, the Tickle Me Elmo or the Cabbage Patch doll, which almost never was in full supply and which, of course, even with limited supplies, wound up becoming deeply discounted. So you've got something customers are clamoring for, and you're busily racing to the bottom by reducing your margins to get their attention. And so the only winners are the players who don't rely just on the toy business, like Walmart, Target, Amazon, who have tremendous scale and and buying power, and who are not tethered to a physical network of stores um, especially stores that are not at all appealing, not at all interesting. You know, Toys was a warehouse full of toys, and customers outside of customers who shop places like Costco don't find that to be uh, an appealing reason uh, by way of a driveway decision. I think for the future, um, retailers have to be all in on the channel. They have to take advantage of uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, as it becomes more commercially available. Their stores have to become far more engaging and interesting than just a collection of a lot of stuff. Because, you know, 20 years ago, a customer had to go to a store to shop unless they were a catalog customer. They had very little choice. They had to shop locally. Today, they can shop anywhere in the world and transact anywhere in the world, either physically or through the web. Uh, effortlessly, so they are not tethered to a format, and uh, these these legacy formats who just don't get it, 
uh, and there's quite a few more than just Toys and Claire's, are in for terrible trouble as we look toward the future. 844-942-7866 is the number if you would like to join in your comments or questions or on Twitter at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. I guess you, you see that, Barbara, from a variety of different retailers. I mean, Toys R Us is one, but in the in more of the clothing segment, Macy's, Nordstrom's, all of these these legacy brands, these legacy retailers are struggling with trying to figure this out, even though some of them, like these these clothing stores are trying to figure out the online component a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, I think what's interesting, I do think that pop-up idea is somewhat interesting, and I think it's a broader um, idea of what the store should be used for. So you are seeing a number of different trends. um, Because of what Mark was talking about, the difficulty of the business, maintaining these large footprint stores is very difficult. And maybe they make more sense as distribution centers or something like that, depending on their location. But you're seeing a trend towards more smaller footprint print stores, more urban stores. There is an advantage to this um, pop-up idea. Uh, maybe maybe not in toys or maybe in toys for the last-minute purchase. That's the only time I ever go to Toys R Us is the day before Christmas. Yeah. Um, so this idea, the, but now that's very hard to set up. You know, like for, for the Halloween stores, it takes about a year to set up. They do most of their business in three months right before Halloween, yep. but they take a year because they have to, you know, they have to find the locations because they differ all the time. They have to stay them with sales associate, they have to deal with the inventory and all of that stuff. But that's a model that's been placed for a while, and Absolutely, they know yeah. how to do it. So I could see things like that changing. If if retail is so seasonal, why don't you adapt the the physical space to the seasonality? I mean, I agree, it's not an easy thing to do, but it's doable. Right, because that brings in the other part to it, Mark, is is the real estate part, and we already know that there's a, a real estate issue in malls across the U.S. Now you're talking about going with the toys or us stores going on the fringes of the malls, the outside parts of the malls, and, and you're talking about more real estate that is going to be potentially sitting. I mean, because a lot of these, especially the ones that were Toys R Us and Babies R Us combinations, these are big combo stores that are very hard, I think, to find the right company to come in and take over. Well, you know, there <clears throat> this talk of us of someone coming in and saving some number of stores is interesting. I mean, in the bankruptcy proceeding, the debt overhang can be uh, remediated. Uh, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is, though, that the underlying weakness of the business is far more than just the underlying weakness of the company's balance sheet. Uh, so I think Toys R Us as a brand still has uh, relevance. It still resonates with customers. But as a business model, it's basically kaput. Now, yep. now the pop-up phenomenon is an interesting one. Uh, I'm a bit cynical from a real estate point of view, if only because pop-ups are a short-term antidote to dark stores that mall developers make available because dark stores are deadly. They, they signal that the mall uh, that's got all these vacant spaces is basically going out of business. And so they're highly motivated to You also see them space. in urban settings, too, open the stores. It's the same, it's same thing. Now, yeah. to, to Barbara's point, the, the Spencer Gifts, the companies that do the Halloween business, they work on it all year round. Yeah. And um, uh, I just wonder if the, the mall community and the downtown development community can make sense of 
this pop-up uh, phenomenon because at some point they're going to have to charge real rents for these spaces. And um, real rents don't uh, live com- as a companion to short-cycle uh, limited-margin businesses. Barbara? I think it's, you know, I do think it's a real change in the th- way of thinking, but I also think that retail has to think really revolutionary. Yeah. I mean, if you go back to what was Toys R Us and all those big boxes, Borders and, you know, Circuit City, all of them, they were o- offering large assortments at cheap prices, and online just completely dominates that. Yeah. So that model doesn't make any sense. So if you're thinking about what's the role of the physical store, you know, I think it's going to be something about... Uh, experience or whatever that means, either convenience or just in time or fun experience or whatever it is. But does the omni-channel part to this story make retail have to rethink in the fact that it feels like we are going to see almost a continuously fluid and adaptive business model moving forward because of of what the expectation is of the consumer because of having that information right at their hand. Right. So that's why I think the physical store and the physical space is going to have to make use of touch and feel, just in time, fun, you know, those kinds of things that stores, ironically, when you look at some of these legacy stores, what were they thinking? I mean, they were really boring, awful places to go. So it's about time people realize it should make it, that it's fun to go to the store. But again, Mark, if you go back 20 years, that was the only option. Yeah. You know, so so I mean that now the, all of these retailers have just kind of been caught by the fact that here comes this great thing called the internet, and we have the ability to to order stuff uh, on, at our fingertips. You know, it's it's really all about leadership, the quality and uh, the capacity of leadership to envision uh, uh, possibilities in the future and take action to accommodate them. Many of these legacy businesses have had bogus leadership, leadership that rested on its laurels, that basically believed that their success would forever and always be guaranteed. They took no action to consider the future. And now, of course, many of them are uh, completely behind the eight ball. They've either run out of gas, like Toys R Us and Claire's, and they're in restructure, or they're frantically trying to avoid that outcome and uh, and reacting and, and than, reacting and, right. and for many of what for much of what we're reading about in my view it's far too little and far too late you know what's interesting about it i just got back from Ch- shop talk in las vegas you know and everybody's talking about all the changes and there's incredible technology there and stuff and of course a lot of this is being generated by amazon and how amazon jeff bezos is visionary he did see the future and he made it happen um and so some of the people are talking about like is amazon friend or foe like that's a lot of conversation is amazon the good guys or the bad guys but for what you're talking about uh you know like the fact you said like there's just leaders who were just sitting there and not doing anything. To that degree, I think Amazon's a good thing. I mean, for, think of it as competition, thinking of it as somebody, let's push you to think bigger. To that degree, I think Amazon's a great movement because shopping has become way more efficient. So then, Mark, let me ask you this. I mean, obviously, when we're talking Amazon, a lot of people now are, are talking about uh, what is going to happen between Amazon and Walmart and, and the changes that Walmart is making to try and, you know, as much as they can, uh, keep their piece of the pie right now. 
what changes potentially does even Walmart have to continue to look at so that they can stay relevant in this new kind of retail space that we're looking at? I can talk a little to that because yeah. Mark Laurie was there at Shop Talk. Yeah. And he, you know, he, they, what Walmart did, and Mark, I'm sure you know this, is they bought Jet.com to, you know, make sure. it online. Yeah. But they're also doing things like buying up with these little, uh, direct uh, digitally native vertical brands to try to make shopping more. They're bringing in more brands. Walmart was never really known for the brands. And they have this partnership with Lord & Taylor. So they're moving in several directions. They're trying to leverage their stores, which is a big advantage, their sales associates, which is another big advantage, to be more efficient in omni-channel shopping. You know, shop online, pick up in the store, delivery and all of that, so that they can compete with Amazon there. But they're doing more than that. And what I think is particularly interesting is their notion that they do believe in brands, whereas Jeff Bezos has said, your margin is my opportunity. And he really is convening more on convenience, low price, etc., although he's hedging his bets, certainly. But I, I do think there's some very big differences in Walmart sure. and Amazon's strategy, although they're going to go head-to-head on a lot of arenas. Mark? Well, they're two very different businesses. And and the notion that Walmart is chasing Amazon is a fool's errand because because uh, Amazon has created a marketplace, whereas Walmart is trying to create a more attractive store. Uh, interestingly, inter- interestingly, they've de-emphasized Jet, and these deals that they're making and these programs that they're launching are really all focused on Walmart.com. I have a real problem with Mark Lore and the schemes that he has described in that there's a critical mass that they are nowhere near reaching in creating a, an assortment of appealing brands that would um, uh, be of appeal to customers who are not shopping at Walmart. You know, uh, Walmart's done a great job of improving the performance of their legacy store base. They had really dropped the ball in that regard. So they're getting their mojo back there, and they really have to continue to do that. Lord & Taylor is not a viable equity. The small brands that they've acquired may be interesting, but they need literally hundreds and hundreds more of them to form some form of critical mass that enables them to present themselves in a more attractive and interesting way. So they're trying to go up market into Amazon country, and I don't think it's going to happen. I really don't. They also don't have the advantage that Amazon has in that they don't have a profit-making machine called Amazon Web Services. Right, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. that's not fair for anybody to compete so, so, so they're, yeah. they're diluting their, their P&L with the investments they're making through what Mark Lord is doing, which at some point could spook the company and cause them to uh, pull back a bit. At the end of the day, Amazon is the new marketplace, and Amazon is bringing with it in its wake literally thousands and thousands of players, some successful, some not, who are uh, taking advantage of customers' free willingness to shop uh, virtually rather than physically. it's anybody's guess where all of this goes. You know, the rumor of the moment was that Kroger was going to merge with Target. Yeah. Uh, this has been denied. Who knows whether there's any truth to it. Uh, at the end of the day, Kroger is, you know, one of the largest grocery stores. Yeah, I think it's number two. Enterprises in the, on the planet. 
struggling to avoid being uh, relegated to some legacy uh, uh, re- version of themselves. And Target went all in on food years and years ago and has never made sense of it. Uh, maybe something like that happens and turns that segment completely on its uh, on its head. One of the things, you know, not in the U.S., because Alibaba has said they're not going to probably go to the consumer business in the U.S., but in the rest of the world, I think one thing to watch in the future is to think, see what happens in the marketplaces where Alibaba competes against Amazon. Right. Because those are two titans, and they have very different models, and it would be interesting to see which one wins in that debate. And that might also change what the future of retailing is as they uh, eke out their different ways of doing business. You say, you say, I mean, would Alibaba really ever make a consideration seriously about the U.S. market? You well, think? I talked to some people from Alibaba and they said they're not going to go after the consumer market here because Amazon is too entrenched, right. which is what Amazon made the decision about China. Amazon decided not to go into China because Alibaba is, and JD.com are too entrenched. And But no. there's plenty of other places in the rest of the world where neither of them have, and they have very, very different models. Uh, and that, to me, is interesting to see how that shapes what consumers start desiring in a shopping experience. Great having you both both with us today. Barbara, great seeing you. Thank you yeah, for coming really in. Good. Mark you. is Mark is always great to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. You bet. Thank you. Barbara Kahn of the uh, Wharton School uh, joining me here in studio. Mark Cohen uh, of Columbia University joining us on the phone. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.